Channel 10. <laughs> Yo. Yo. Once again, we're back in the building. It's the Channel 10 podcast, and it is I, the almighty AR, artic- articulate, and I'm alongside. Sin God Superior. And this is the Channel 10 podcast. And, um, you know, this is an interesting episode because we were having conversation before the episode, but we ended up just recording it. Um, so it might just start in the middle. I got to pick a good starting point for it. But, you know, it was a really good conversation. I think that we had about various mixtapes and things and blackness and race and life in general and it'll be all very inspiring to the peoples yeah pretty much all the all the stuff that we're known for at least exactly you know we do this for the culture all day every day um but before we get into the episode definitely need you to like subscribe rate comment favorite whatever it is that you can do on whatever platform you listen to this podcast or if you want to go ahead and Go to another platform and just help us out. Go ahead and do that. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. Go to channel10podcast.com. And once you go there, you can listen to all of our back episodes. In addition, you can click on the store link and order some Channel 10 Podcast merchandise. Um, Anything else? Uh, No, I think that's it. That's it. I know there's a lot. Thank you for listening. And uh, let's get into this episode. Peace. We used to be like, see you then, Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. No, but not if you're not from Queen, <laughs> if you don't got Time yeah, Warner or whatever. Like, well, I, I got to do it, yo. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up? Hold on, man. What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. So good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up? Yo, CNN. Network. Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Whoa, face. Get in your face. Stay in place. Yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN. Network. Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. I mean, yeah, like, I don't Stay in place. Yo, crime lace. Thinking about doing that. Like, you know, like having these two different kinds of resumes, like one media resume and then one, you know, CV. Mm-hmm. It is, I, you know, I just, I feel like I'm just, I'm like, I have like a split personality or something. Like I'm bipolar. Yeah, I mean, that's how I always have been. But I'm just like, I can't live like that. Like, and it's funny because I was listening to, uh, you know, Red Pill, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was going in on all these uh, on these these pro black type people, and he was like, you know, and basically talking about like how everybody's kind of fighting each other, and everybody talks bad about the Hebrew Israelites and how they you know believe a whole bunch of nonsense. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who are like out in the street and really like doing work and stuff like that. And he was like. You know, a lot of these people, they have all of these extravagant names, but you work a nine to five. So from nine to five, you're not Tariq El Shabazz Muhammad. You're, you know, PD, whatever, whatever, something like that. And so, and I mm. just, I just thought that was funny. And I'm like, 
like, you know, when I'm at work, I'm Zachary Leacock. When I'm not at work, you know, I'm the almighty AR, tech vegan rap nerd, you know, whatever brands that I'm working on and all of that. And, you know, when I'm out, you know, people refer to me as different names and there's people who don't even know my government name. So. Yes. And it's, it's always weird. Yeah. And then, you know, I've been in situations before, like. um, Where I might have somebody. Who's not around a certain part of my life. And then they get around it and then they hear people calling me by this other name or vice versa. They might call me by a name and then people around be like, who's that? And then you have to explain. That part of you, and it's just like. I feel like that's a hindrance to success, at least, with, you know, what I'm trying to do. Like, mm-hmm. even if I get a job in media, like. I can be. You know, whatever, like, like, like I'm a radio personality, I can use whatever name I want. I can use Zachary or Tech Leacock. You know, I could flip it in different ways, but. I feel like there's no point in hiding it. Like, it's like being in a closet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's and like, I, it's like you got to keep your hip hop in the closet. Yeah, with the uh, with the old scuffed up Timberland boots from middle school. um yeah yeah, well i i I see that uh you're you're serious just putting out your name like that just now yeah i mean i don't really care man like and then um shoot i had a point and i just forgot it just that quickly but like when you look at um I had an example. Oh, Childish Gambino. And then, you know, he's Childish Gambino. And then he's also, um, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Um, What's his name? Uh, Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah, Donald Glover. Yeah. And it's like, he doesn't hide anything. You know, he is who he is. Or like, you look at Charlemagne the God. Like, he's Charlemagne the God when he's talking to Hillary Clinton. And he's Charlemagne the God when he's talking to Adrian Broner. Like he's just Charlemagne the God. Yeah. Well, I don't, I guess, well, as, as of right now, you know, I think the last thing I need to be doing is walking around in certain places as being single or superior. That would not, <laughs> that would not give me any brownie points in the, you know, the, the state that I, that I am, that I exist in as, um, as of this point. Yeah. It's funny because we just had the, um, you know, that 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 uh that special feature I put together on, on the names. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, a name is very important. Like um I remember watching something as a kid where somebody was like they don't give out their name because when somebody has your name they have control over you. Because when you hear your name you automatically stop and look, you know. Mm. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm always leery about giving my name out. And you know what I hate? I hate when people yell my name out in public, like across a parking lot or something like that, or you know, whatever. Like, don't say my name. 
especially on my government name, because then everybody around can associate that name with me and then they have that power over me. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too deep into it, but <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Red Pill will probably say, you know, words carry vibrations and all this and that. But how how much of a, of a vibration can a name carry when, you know, you don't exactly have a choice over your name, at least your government name at birth? I mean. But, I mean, they get deeper into it, you know, when you get into. The numerology aspect, even though you don't have a choice, this given name to you, a lot of people would say, you know, has a big impact on who you are, you know, just based on mathematics and vibrations of the universe or whatever. Mm. So. I don't know, I mean. Not to say that I'm into that type of thing, but it is really interesting and I do have a book. Um, that goes into the Pythagorean numerology. And I always think it's interesting when you have these people like Pythagoras or even like, um, who was it? Uh, Isaac Newton. Like, we know Pythagoras for his um, theorem when it comes to geometry, but um, and then we know, you know, Newton for, you know, his work in physics. But I believe it was Newton. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was Newton who actually spent most of his time trying to uh, find a secret code in the Bible. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think that was Newton. But yeah, you know, Newton was a you know because I know that he you know he he spent like his a lot of his time too like you know with alchemy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But I mean. Like, and then, you know, with Pythagoras, you know, he basically had a cult and he had people following him. Like, he basically had a religion. But, you know, people forget about that. But then, you know, even when it comes to alchemy, um, like, when you really look at it, there's something to that. And, you know, the conspiracy theorist type people, they get real deep into it and everything. But um, it's like um, the whole thing with gold and like trying to create gold and like there's some type of property in gold where if you could get it into your body in a certain type of way, it's real good for you. And like I, like I, I forget, but. Like there's something to that, and then you know people will say that there's something about the aliens and you know the Anunnaki and how the gold is gonna make them live forever, which is why they come here, which is why we have the space station, and why all the gold is in Fort Knox, and it's, and they actually shot out the space because the planet, um, what is it, Sirius B, is gonna be close, and the aliens are coming to pick the gold up from us, and that's the whole reason why they created us. Is that whole theory? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, even when you look at it from, you know, my research, which I can't remember right now, but from my research, there is something to like a certain type of benefit that gold can, uh, can get you. And 
I mean, yeah, you can buy gold online. I mean, you know, uh, remember when uh, that it was like that thing online about, uh, you know, whatever it was something and it was it was supposed to be gold and you just like digest it. Like, I think it was some type of like gold, gold powder, like in, in a pill form or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then. You know, the thing about gold is that it doesn't corrode when it hits the air and it's actually a very soft metal and it's very different in its properties from other metals. And to me, you know, gold is like it's almost like water, you know, how water is different from other liquids because, you know, for a variety of reasons, one, when you freeze it is actually less dense than um, when you freeze it into a solid, it's less dense than the liquid form, whereas most solids are more dense than than um, than the liquid form, and it's because of its crystalline structure. But then, when you look in the crystals, I'm about, I, mean, I don't know. I'm just getting into the whole other shit. But like, wait, like crystals um, actually do certain things that um the definition of life does so crystals reproduce and have a meaning to do some more research in the crystals but i do know that they reproduce in a way that's similar to organic um material um but for s- it's something about it why it's not considered life but then i remember star trek where you know, they're out in space and they encountered a crystalline life form that could exist in the vacuum of space. So that being said, with water being similar to gold, water being something that, you know, we need to live. And then when you freeze it, it turns into a crystal, which does things that life does. Maybe water is alive and gold is alive or has some type of benefit to us because we need water to live and if we could get these properties from gold then maybe we could live forever i don't know mm-hmm. well but, i mean well all right so going back to this whole thing about you know the whole name thing mm-hmm. i wonder what kuta kinte would have thought about that mm. i mean i think he would have I think he he definitely had power. You know, he definitely knew that there was power in the name. Um, and um, I do think, like, I do know that certain, I don't know, I feel like certain cultures put more into a name than other cultures. And he had a sense of his name, his name, to find his culture and where he was from. And when I saw that scene of them beating the name out of him and he was just so defeated, like that just hit me, you know, like, and then, you know, the name is important too, because, you know, shout out to the Call Tyrone show. Listen to us on uh, WLB 10, 10 a.m. Every Monday at 2 p.m. in Baltimore. But, um, you know, doing my research for this past Call Tyrone show, I'm listening to all these Malcolm X, you know, interviews and documentaries. And, you know, he goes into the name and why it's, you know, important. 
And, you know, this is not his name. So he puts an X because, you know, in mathematically X stands for unknown. And so, you know, then when you, when you actually go ahead and, you know, make your name, you know, you're creating yourself kind of, you know, you know, you know your own self image. And so, you know, he, he had that foresight to say, you know, my self image at this point is unknown. And then, you know, with the El Haj Malik Shabazz, you know, then, you know, he just, he came into that name based off of his experiences. And one thing that, um, you know, when we did the uh, interview with Born King, Killer Fifth, when he was breaking down his 5% name, he was saying over time, as you acquire more attributes, you can add on to your name. And he had this long name. And I think that's kind of dope because it's like as you progress through life, you add different attributes of yourself and your experiences to your name. And it helps to define you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, a name is it is really important. And then um, I was looking at something earlier, some of these pro-black people on YouTube, the uh, Moorish dude talking about, you know, he said that as long as you call us black people, you know, we can never be free. And he started breaking down the word black and, you know, how it's from Middle English and Middle English existed in a certain time frame. But we were here before that. And there was another word that they used to describe us, which was more. So black wasn't even in the in the lexicon of the, of, you know, our people when we were ruling and stuff like that. And now all of a sudden we're black and then black is associated with all these negative things. Um, but then it, now it's associated with positive things, you know, like the same thing with, you know, the word nigger and turning into nigger and now niggas, like how Kendrick Lamar is saying. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think those Moorish type of dudes, they, they had the same attitude as an old black man who gets upset when we call each other nigga mm-hmm. to where they just can't get it because of the importance of, of, of what it meant to them at that time. And I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about the word nigga? Well, I mean, I don't have an issue with it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it gets kind of slippery because you have, you know, certain people who, who want to say it and all these kinds of things as a term of endearment, you know, who really aren't exactly of the culture and some people frown on that or whatever. But, um, I mean, it's, I mean, you can look at, uh, what's his name? Uh, not what, uh, is it a rich homie Kwan? Yeah. I mean, you know, look at that music video, which is, you know, probably kind of, uh, homoerotic in certain <laughs> ways, but other than that, you know, um, you know, so that's, that's, I think that's a prime example of that term being used as, you know, as a term of endearment. Um, you know, the same, I mean, I guess it's just, I mean, a name is, is nothing more than interpretation, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I never really thought that much about the the term. I guess it's probably because I I grew up in a household that always used it. 
in very interesting ways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I recognize it as a term of endearment and I say it and um, I'm a part of the culture and I grew up with it like you did. But at the same time, I feel like we shouldn't be using it. Okay. Like, I feel like, you know, we did what we did with it and we turned it into something, especially, yeah, that Rich Homie Kwan song. You know, when I hear that song, I feel good. Like, yeah, my nigga. But, um, I don't know. I think it has its positives and its negatives. I'll say that. Like, um, the whole thing with what's his name, Larry Wilmore, or whatever. Yeah. Like when he said it at the press correspondence dinner about the first black president. However, you feel about his policies or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of all of that, but you know, it is. He's an iconic figure. Um, and he made it to that level, however he did it. Um, you have to give him that respect, I feel like. And, you know, that word is for us. Like, you know, don't go doing that in front of white people. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's our, that's our secret thing. Not to say that we're hiding it from white people or anything like that, but like that's for us. And I think he he overstepped like nigga law <laughs> to me. Hmm. I mean, I've 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 been hearing more about it than you know me actually like looking at it. I think. I think I saw like a little clip of it or something. No, I think I heard a I heard a clip on some type of podcast and uh I don't I mean see well the issue with that is that, you know, like you have people who are coming out against Obama for not being, you know, a a black president, you know, whatever that exactly means. You know, he's not exactly, you know, supporting certain legislation or certain, you know, things that could help out blacks. And so for I can imagine for a lot of people that, that maybe, you know, with Obama accepting something like that, uh, such as that term, especially in a, you know, in a kind of setting like that, you know, that's televised and, and promoted in a certain way to certain kinds of people. I can imagine a lot of people were kind of proud about that. That you could go up there and kind of, you know, explain explore different a different facet of black culture that uh that i would say at least in this instance would is is more it's more straightforward i would say compared to you know how we usually see this term you know if it's in like a in an ignorant ass kevin gates movie or you know uh i don't know tyler perry movie or something like that that kind of that kind of, you know, that it really, it really, satur- like, I guess, satur- satirizes it. Yeah. Although this did, I mean, this, well, this did the same thing, but it was, it had certain implications behind it, I think. 
I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking at an um, article now, um, where uh, um, it's on Time dot com where he said that the White House says that Obama appreciated Larry Wilmore's White House correspondence dinner speech. Um, I don't know, like. When it comes to Obama and his blackness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm I'm no um, Obama fan, but I guess in a way I kind of am because in my in my estimation, a president is a president, you know, and that is the figurehead of the country. And that is the executive branch, which keeps the government running. So basically, the president is just a job title and you have to do your duties as a president. And that doesn't. That's uh, not a racial thing. That's just what you do, no matter what race you are, you have the job and you perform the duty. But. You know, he slips his he slips these black things in there, you know, where he can, you know, where it's appropriate, because, you know, if you think about us on our regular jobs, right. Mm -hmm. How much blackness can you slip into your job? Um, I I mean, you can probably do a little bit more. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm pretty much black all the time now. But like, you know, with me, um, you know, I have to subversively slip in my blackness by, you know, rocking a beard and having my red, gold and green keychain or my lanyard hanging out. Or, you know, on a dress down day, you might see me with the Bob Marley and, you know, I have my Barbados flag sitting at my desk. And you know that's about as black as I can get. I mean, don't forget about the you. Don't forget about your oils, man. You said my Oreos. No, your uh, you know your 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 smell good oils. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I come in smelling like Jesus. You know, every day with my with my uh, with my frankincense and my myrrh, and then I smell like Muhammad because I go to Saratoga Street, and you know. The uh, Muslim brothers in the in the shops, they think I'm their brother. And so every time I come in, they say, I have something special for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I put it on, I be like, like anytime I get some oil, I just wondered, is my girl going like this? But when the Muslim brothers give me that expensive ass oil, like. For like a like a five maybe a two fifty dollar vial that joint might be ten dollars, and I put it on and I come to my girl's crib and she just loves it. I'd be like, "Alhamdulillah." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> I mean, like, well, and I, I kind of had this, like, when I first got here, you know, I had this, uh, I had, like, you know, conversations with myself about, like, how black was I going to get? And then, you know, I kind of suppressed it, you know, the 
my, I guess my first episode here. And then, um, you know, after being, you know, fucked over many times, I said, fuck it. They treat me like one anyway, might as well be one. Mm. And, and it works for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm coming off, you know, the, like the, the best episode so far, just from, you know, doing whatever, man. Like, you know, people come up to me, you know, they have, they, they need help with something. I'm like, what's up? What you need? You know, for or if I'm if I'm breaking down, you know, scientific racism, you know, talking about the Malay, the Red Man, you know, the Caucasoid, you know, I may, you know, I may slip some, you know, you know what, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think, um, I think what it is is just being real. You know, I think people can sense when you're not being real. I know, but see, the thing is, around here, it works for people. What, not being real? Hell yeah. That's that's because nobody's real. But then when somebody real comes in, you know, the fake going fold. Well, I mean, I, I think that's starting to happen, you know. But who knows what's going to happen within the next four years. That's true. You know, like, my new thing, like, um, my mantra that I'm going to live by for the next couple of months um, is a term, you know, that's being used and that's being picked up now, but I really like it. And it's an old term, but for some reason, people just started using it for like anything. And that's, you know, I just do it for the culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like everything I do you know, it comes from a Jay-Z song. I do this for my culture. So you, well, well did Jay-Z say it first or the big say it first? But like Jay-Z said, you know, I do this for my culture. Show you how to move in a room full of vultures. And for some reason, that line has just been picked up. Um, And, you know, now whenever I do something, when I interact with people, like, I'm doing this for the culture. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not here for you. I'm not here for your purpose. Like, I'm here for my people, like my black people, my hip hop people, which span all races, you know, under the banner of hip hop. I think hip hop might need a flag. <laughs> mm. But, you know. Well, and. See, that's the thing, you know, like, and, you know, we, we've talked about this off air before, you know, this whole issue with, you know, me and how all of a sudden what I'm doing had the, has these racial connotations attached to it, which, you know, I, I really didn't, I never, I never wanted it to be a part of, but now I'm, be, I'm getting dragged to it. And it seems like it magnifies day by day. I mean, for me, that was my whole life, you know, going to a predominantly uh, white, um, you know, fifth through 12th grade experience. Um, you know, I always felt like I carried race around on my back, no matter what I did. So everything I did, I had to do it for the culture. I had to be great. I had to be excellent. And I had to represent and I had to represent in a way, you know, I had to represent respectably, but at the same time, authentically. So it's like, 
you know, you had people who who went all the way, you know, um, you would classify them or not you, but, you know, a lot of people would would use a pejorative Oreo cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, you know, they would. Um, you know, act in a certain type of way. And, you know, they would get a certain response from, you know, the white people. And me, I, um, I maneuvered in such a way where I still did it for the culture, but still had, you know, I did it for the culture and I represented the culture and I still was able to, you know, maneuver but not necessarily be a, a Oreo cookie. I feel like I don't. I don't think anybody would call me an Oreo cookie. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I see your point. I mean, I guess it's just. Well, I guess one thing is that when it comes to you know, I guess this this clash of cultures. I think like the easiest way like to maneuver around a lot of times are through like jokes and just like understanding hum like the humor of another culture. Mm. Um, even if you don't find it funny, if you can just like, if you can, if you figure out how to, how to, uh, you know, say something in a particular manner that will just make it funny to like the other person somehow, some way that just opens up some type of dialogue or, or for whatever reason, just like, just the way you, the way you say it, well, not the way you say your words, like the, I guess when you say your words, you know, like, in like in your sentence i guess i guess what i'm saying is like you know two different cultures same language but the thing is what may make you guys different language wise may just be like when you decide to say certain words like how 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 you scramble your words up in the same sentence am i I making sense yeah um that's something i actually think about a lot like um you know um i think a lot is made out of um like colorism is a big problem in the black community and you know where where light skinned people are seen as um i guess better as you know the, or more desirable or more attractive than dark skinned people um that's not to say that you can't have a preference or whatever but when you see a certain pattern of a, a certain skin tone um being more desirable and then when you go into the history of of what made it desirable going back to slavery and going back not even to slavery um that's another conversation i want to have but let's take it post reconstruction you know um the things that made the light skin more desirable it's just like this was programmed into so now I've been having conversations um, where people are saying that um, they might have a benefit in the white culture and the, you know, the, the, the mainstream society by being more light skinned. And my argument is that, no, that's not going to give you the benefit. What's really going to give you the benefit is, is how you speak. Mm-hmm. Like 
I think I think how you speak at this point in the game trumps skin tone when it comes to dealing with other races, well, more particularly white people. Yeah. But I mean, but then, you know, how you talk could also be your downfall too. Like, uh, I forgot, I can't think of which podcast I was listening to, but this was like over the summer, like a long time ago. And it was like, uh, the first black, black at like ad man, like at like, at like, uh, um, he started like the, the first ad agency for like black people. Talking about, uh, Steve Stout. Oh. No, 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 not Steve Stout. We're talking about the 60s, 70s. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, pretty much he, maybe he kind of fucked up the culture and what all of his Newport ads and stuff, but it's another story. Um, I got to look into that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he, but he started off at, he started off at like a white firm and then he eventually, he be like, he decided like to move and just help out like the black, like the black community because of certain things that he went went through. So, you know, he, he, you know, he was educated, played part or whatever like that. But he said that, um, one time he was like, he was, um, you know, at a party or whatever like that. And, you know, up to this point, like he was pretty much like kind of an equal to like a lot of like the hit ad, like admin, um, at the firm. And so like one of the people came up, came over to him, they were all drinking, having a good time or whatever. And he said that the guy came over and said, uh, you know, he said his name and then he was like, um, how about you know you you sing you sing you sing to us one of one of those down home songs? Oh my god! And you know he he thought about it you know because he said that you know he's that he he has the same qualifications as all these people you know he but at the same time he kind of remains black but they just still see him as this this figure of blackness to the point that he can just automatically start singing a down home song. Man, have you ever had white people just randomly ask you to rap for them? Hmm. Uh, I think I think um I did when I was younger. Like not like not here though. Um. Mm. Well, see, the thing is, I mean, a lot of people they a lot of people are surprised to find out that I rap because they just think I would I wouldn't do anything like that. And people are surprised at me too. But like, I remember one time um, I was on the Long Island Railroad with our cousin and um, we were going um, from Manhattan to Queens and it was a Friday night um, and the Long Island Railroad was full of just drunk white people and they said that we looked like we rap and sing and they wanted us to perform on the train. And, uh, you know, we felt very disrespected at that point. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we, we are politely declined. But, um, I don't know. That, <laughs> you know, when you told that story, it just reminded me of that moment. And, like, you know what I hate? I hate when there's a moment and I um I'm so taken aback by the moment that I don't um that you know later on I think of all the things I could have done in that moment and all the things I could have said 
Like, damn, if I would have said that, that would have been great. You can make a movie out of that. And it's like when you, it's like when you look at Malcolm X with his interviews, like he's just so on point all the time. And it's like, damn, like I don't be on point like like how Malcolm X is on point. Because there's sometimes when I can really say something, but it, it, you know, the the thought doesn't formulate quick enough in my mind to where I can get it out. And so yeah. after the moment has already passed. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, kind of like when I was telling you about my experience at uh, someone's house uh, this past this past weekend and like the whole issue with the cookies. Right. <laughs> and um, I was telling my mother about it the other day and she just said, like, you know, instead of like just saying no and just like complaining to her, what you should have just said, yeah. And just like, like had a smile on your face because you already knew that she was asking this for a specific reason. So you could have just said, you know, the total opposite of what she wanted, of, of what of what she wanted you to say to piss her off. And I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean. And it's like. I think to get to that point, you, it takes training, like. We have to constantly be training our minds like and that's that's one thing that I've always been big on like I'm always just trying to train my mind in a certain type of way so that you know I'm ready for certain type of situations and when these situations come up I feel like I failed so I keep I keep going you know I keep trying to train my mind because there's so many different ways that you could approach certain situations and it's like, why didn't that occur to you in that moment? Yeah. Because the moment, that's like, like the, I don't know, there's nothing more important in life than a, than a good moment. Yeah. Well, I've been told that, um, you know, things like that, they tend to become better as you age. Mm. When you just, I guess you just kind of get like the lay of the land. Cause I, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, after a while, like the same shit just keeps on, you know, like the same situations keep popping up, you know, numerous times. So after a while, you just know like how to, how to, how to combat it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's like how I deal with women at my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be having the mean deflections like, pew, pew. But, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I started be having the mean deflections, like, pew, pew. Okay, that's going back uh, to the Kanye song. Uh, no, nah, Ghostface. Remember when Kanye did it um, on Blueprint 3? Uh, damn, I don't even remember. You know what? I really like Blue, uh, Blue, uh, Blueprint 3. I got to listen to that album again. Like, people didn't really like that album, but that album was, was crazy to me. Like, I like it. That's the best blueprint to me. Yeah, I'm still a fan of the first one. I don't like the first one, man. Like, I never really liked it. And then when I heard how it, how it was made, and and then I go back. I, I guess when I heard how it was made, like like they made the bulk of it in a weekend. I guess it makes me appreciate it more, 
But at the end of the day, to me, it sounds like you just did this shit real quick. You got some hot ass beats and you just felt like you just wanted to rap some shit. And you just had some feelings. And whatever the word that came to your mind at that moment, you put to the feeling. Um, But. I don't know. I mean, hey, that's that's pretty much all the music, all the music that comes out now. That's very true. I mean, but I don't know. But see, I think that ironically enough, I feel like the I feel like the blueprint. You know what's crazy? Hold on, what you just said. What you just said is crazy because the blueprint is called the blueprint, and it really is the blueprint for how music is made now. Like. There's an interview I was listening to. I forget what artist it was, but basically they were talking about how how they do music now. Like they don't like like these kids out here now. They don't write rhymes. They 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 do little four bar freestyles. They stop it and they do another one, and that's how they come up with their verse. It just sounds so tedious, though. Like even if you have like an engineer and everything like that in the studio. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do that shit sometimes. And, you know, it's kind of fun because what you do, or at least what I do is I be drunk as shit and I just go and just say some shit and then I listen back to it real quick and I cut it off at a certain point and then I just go some more. Like, I think it's really a way, like, it's really a way for you to just get some shit out there, like whatever's on your mind at that moment. So I do have a certain respect for that way of doing it. Um, Like, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I'm not mad at it either. I mean, as long as it's done right. And I, I just think that, um, like. You can tell that people like Future and Young Thug, like you can tell that Future has like it, like it, like a regime behind him that really like gets out like a lot of that stuff. Young Thug seems like a bit too homegrown to the point that like some of his songs they just aren't good. And then you can you can tell uh, you can tell a big difference between his singles and his and like the singles that come out and then these, all these other songs that are on you know the, the Bar to Six or you know all these other mixtapes that he has out. I mean, he, and I'm not just going to say he, but, you know, any rapper needs a good, or any artist, like, you can't do this shit all by yourself. Like, sometimes you need a producer. Like, and a producer in the classical sense of the word, not somebody who's sitting there playing instruments or anything, somebody who's just kind of overseeing it and putting it together with the vision, who can see your talent and where your talent fits into the overall soundscape. And, you know, I don't really listen to a lot of Young Thug solo things, but when I hear him on a well-produced song as a feature, he sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about other shit. I mean, like for like, I mean, like songs like "Best Friend" and even like "Danny Glover." They uh, just they just sound more thought out. Mm. 
then um you know then like a lot of his song i mean well because you know, I, I, I i've tried to listen to because that's the thing like i've tried to listen to him like his solo stuff i can't listen to all of it because it's just all over the place but i mean we old niggas now like that might just be how the kids are now yeah man because that yeah I, i'm still thinking about that whole that whole conversation i had with that girl about pablo but i mean i don't know like i don't i don't think niggas in baltimore listening to young thug i mean are they, are they still listening listening to boozy <sighs> Man, what a nigga. I think they listen to Kevin Gates. But I don't, really? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think they've been listening to Kevin Gates for a while. Like, I'd be at, like going to a liquor store, even when Kevin Gates wasn't popping now with, you know, his single now is popping on the radio now. But I was going to ask you, is he, even, is he on the radio yet? Oh, how? Yeah. His uh, song, Two Phones. Oh, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I never be like. I mean, I only found out that Yo Gotti had a had a single out when I saw him on the Breakfast Club. Yeah, the biggest single of his career. But yeah, Kevin Gates got a big <laughs> single called uh, Two Phones," right? And um, you know, I got two. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, you know, I walk around with two phones, and I was at work and had my two phones plugged in, and you know, somebody came through and said, "Oh, you got two phones." <laughs> Like that's a big um record right now, and um, but even before that, I was at the hood liquor store, and um you know niggas just you know niggas who just be standing in the liquor store doing what the fuck they do, and they was playing some Kevin Gates on their phone talking about how he's a real nigga and all sort of type of shit. Yeah, yeah I, 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 was, I was about to say they were probably playing it on, on their phone. Yeah, loud as shit. And, yeah. you know, having a discussion about it. And, you know, um, I, I'm trying to think what else niggas in Baltimore would be listening to. Um, I, I, a lot of times when I'm out, and I hear niggas, cause you know niggas like to um, play music out of their phone, or you know, certain niggas I call them super niggas. They really do it for the culture. They got a Bluetooth speaker that they walk around with. Yeah, just so they would listen to themselves. <laughs> Like they be rapping and they walk around with a Bluetooth speaker playing it, and sometimes I'm not really mad at them. Like that's what you got to do, because I kind of did something similar the other day. Like I was telling you, I was riding around listening to my track with the volume up in the car to see if anybody in the street had a reaction, and I had girls looking at my car like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> and it's not like I'm just riding in the Benz or anything. My shit looked busted as fuck. But when they heard that record, I got attention. So I know that I'm going to upload that joint onto Distro Kid once I get everything together and make this bread. <laughs> 410 Music Factory, Baltimore Club Music, holla. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm still kind of shocked that people in Baltimore. I don't know. I just, I, I just really thought Kevin Gates would be like. A, um, I feel like they, they, they listen to Plies. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick is unplugged. Flies don't be. I don't know if he has had anything new in the past six months, but yeah, niggas, especially women, like they love some fucking flies. Well, I mean, you you know, ran off on the ran off on the plug twice. I don't think I even heard that. I don't. I like I've heard that term before, but I don't be you know what the fuck that shit mean. Damn. I mean, well, and you know, it's so funny is that like, the song, like the song, isn't that's the name of the song, but he only says that term once. <laughs> ran off on the plug. Like I've never heard that song. Ran off on the plug. Hold up. Yeah, it's a video single out. Damn, yo, this is why I, I gotta get that mixer so we can drop clips at these moments. Cause I'm listening to it right now, but you can't hear it. Mm. I was kind of surprised. I thought it'd be like some. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think it'd be the, as updated as it is. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's the worst song in the world. I kind of like it actually. It's just an update. Yo, it's just some, like some no limit shit from '98. With the beat. I mean, besides. I mean, I mean in terms of the beat. I mean, it has some updated elements to it, but the way the piano sound, it sounds like Beast by the Pound. Like, I think it sounds like Master P. I feel like I feel like this song is more is more updated than that thing on the next that J Electronica song on uh on Chance to Rap is up. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, that shit, that Jay Electronica song on Trans Rappers album sound like some uh, trying to be tribe called Quest, but more underground type shit. This, this right here sound like Master P. I don't know whether that Chance Rapper song sound like something that would be on a Jay Love mixtape from like 2006. <laughs> <laughs> yo, what is Jay Love? Yo, 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 we gotta get Jay Love on the podcast. Like those, those two ghost face mixtapes that he did. What hidden darts? Yeah, man. Psh. Like those things were like my life for a certain period. Hell yeah! I mean, he's still around, man. I mean, he 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 made a tweet on May the seventh. I'm about to I'm about to hit this thing up right now. Cause you can uh direct message him. Hey. Would Hey Jay uh I'm gonna say hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say hey. We are interested in interviewing you for our podcast. Would you be interested? Um. My family say, "Hey, we're interested." We're interested in interviewing you for our podcast. We are fans of your work and would like to.
to discuss. Oh, I spelled discuss all wrong. Discuss your history in the game. Would you be interested? Oh, I, I forgot that he produced nine millimeter for Wu Tang. What album was that on? Uh, well, that was supposed to be on eight diagrams, but it was no wait. No, I think about Watch Your Mouth. Actually, I don't remember what nine millimeter was was on. Yeah, because yeah, Watch Your Mouth was the one that uh they couldn't they couldn't clear the sample um off of. Like the one where their uh where their their voices were pitched down. I gotta listen to that right now. I don't know. Maybe I'll edit. Maybe if I feel like it, I'll edit this podcast and put this in there. What album is it supposed to be on? Eight diagrams. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did like this song. Hmm. Yeah, I like this song. Uh, okay, well, well then, what is, what's nine millimeter then? I don't. That was on. I believe that was on uh, Iron Flag, wasn't it? Uh, I got nine milli bros. Nine. Hold on, that was on a uh, on a remix instrumental. Method Man nine millimeter remix featuring. Wu Tang Clan. What is this? Hold on, was it on um was it on Wu Tang Forever? What nine millimeter? Yeah. Oh, this is a remix. I highly doubt that. Oh no, it wasn't. Oh, you talking about nine milli bros? That was on um, cause nine millimeter like, this is a different beat under the nine milli bros um lyrics. That was on uh fish scale. No, well, I mean, well, uh, MF Doom made that track though. He did, yeah. So why why is he? Ha- well, I don't know. Maybe this is something we can ask him. <laughs> Ghostface Killer. Yeah, he has a mixtape called Production Credits, everything produced by him. And it says, I mean, well, well, maybe he just remixed it, I guess. I don't know. Oh, man. DJ J Love faces up to 10 years in prison for 30 plus charges. Was that recent? Nah, it's from 2000. It's from uh, March 9th, 2011. Biggie Day. Mm. But well, I mean, well, I, I make, well, it makes sense. Remember, I told you that story about, about the. I don't even remember. Oh. But apparently he didn't get caught for it because he made a tweet on May 9th. He didn't get hit. Hip hop saved his life. Yeah, hip hop, you saved me. 
Man, I think that's one of the um I think that's one of my favorite songs of all time. And that's a Lupe song, right? Yeah. I think Lupe has two of my favorite songs of all time. So it'll be that and uh He says she <laughs> He says she said. Is that that's off the cool, right? Nah, that's off of um, Food and Liquor. That's the one where he rapped the same verse in three different ways, but changing like the pronouns and stuff with three different perspectives, talking about the kid and his father. Oh. Uh, like, hey, I, don't, I don't remember Food and Liquor. <laughs> <laughs> like, that song was on some Nas type of rewind or, you know, some like that type of shit. Like, mm. And, you know, he has three new projects coming out that are going to be his three final albums. Um, and apparently he's been dropping these these tracks that I haven't heard yet. But apparently they're super dense lyrically. His last album was pretty dense lyrically. Um, I still need to listen to it. I've listened to it a couple of times. Um, but I've been meaning to, like, really, like, like, listen to what the fuck he's saying and try to catch everything. But it's kind of hard. Especially because, you know, a lot of his references, or not a lot, but some of his references are to some anime type shit. So I'm not going to get it, but. I mean, I like that EP they came up with like a while ago that no one, it seems like no one paid attention to. I mean, he's dropped some songs recently that no one seems to pay attention to, but. I mean, Lupe is a. I mean, would you say he's a B level celeb or a C level celeb? Uh, here we go again with this. Uh, I mean, at this point, I, I would say that he's like on on Kid Cudi's level, so like B ish. Mm. I mean, is Kid Cudi a B? I mean, well, we had this conversation over Christmas break in person. I mean, it seems as if whenever he puts out an album, people show up. You know, like when he did that, that 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 satellite thing that was really only him rapping on like three songs and everything was just a whole bunch of instrumentals that he it sounded like he made in like two minutes. I mean he and might so, he might have been in B at that point, but people might have been pissed off at that. I mean, with Speed and Bullet to Heaven, which I actually liked, especially that one song. Is is he still at B level, K Cuddy? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, he's coming out with, I don't know, because it seemed like every, everyone just hated that album, and I still haven't listened to it, really. Because that, that shit just caught me off guard. <laughs> well, he actually made a statement recently saying that people will uh, catch on to it, and, it, uh, and it's going to influence music in the next couple of years. I mean, all, I mean, all he did, I mean, see, this, this is the thing about when people say that, cause it's kind of like with Kanye and Yeezus, like, he didn't really, I mean, he just he just took a whole, whole bunch of, like, industrial type of stuff and just stripped it down more, and then that, there you go. It, there's an album with Kanye over industrial kind of kind of beats. The same thing with Kid Cudi. He just took a whole bunch of Nirvana kind of grunge shit, lo-fi shit from the 90s, uh, <laughs> late 80s, and just started doing some, some lums on it, and there you go. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> and I mean, and I, I mean, what I think. I, I, oh, go ahead. 
I mean, well, and that's the thing, like, I mean, because I do think that Kid Cudi is actually one of the, one of the more influential people within, like, the past, you know, what, 10 years at this point. I mean, I think the reason why I like his new album is because I like Nirvana and that grunge type shit. So I was like, oh, okay, this sounds like a, like a new version of that, but... Why is Kid Cudi influential? Is he influential because he influenced Kanye? Who was influential? Uh, yeah, I would say I would say up to a point, but I would say that with um, because by that argument, you could say Malik Youssef is one of the most influential people in the past ten years. Mm-hmm. Well, well, or was this nothing about Kid Cudi? Too was that when he came up the whole Man on the Moon thing and just his style in general, like. Remember, so remember like how when Jim Stone said that, you know, when Kanye came out, you know, it was Kanye. But then when Lupe came out, people really started like changing their whole style around. And I think that Kid Cudi did the same thing because he was even more hipstery than what Lupe and Kanye even were. And so I feel like he made it more cooler for this kind of, you know, um, self-reflective, introspective kind of, you know, druggy kind of songs that he's known for that white people relate to. Man, you, you're opening Pandora's box right now. <laughs> like, where do I begin? Um, so, um, when you say what you just said, you have to go back to Joe Budden. Well, see, I I figured you were going to talk about Joe Budden. Yeah, like Joe Budden was the original introspective drug addict. And, you know, his whole rant about Drake's album, like Joe Budden, and, you know, I feel what he's saying on a lot of things, because Joe Budden kind of made the sacrifice of um, putting out the type of music that he put out especially at the time when he put it out when you had wait, like I remember the first time I heard Joe Budden this was DJ Clue mixtape era don't get it fucked up like sex on the ceilings when them punchlines were going off it was all about Joe Budden fabulous Lloyd Banks Jay Hood um, a whole bunch of people that I can't even remember right now you had Poster Boy you had all these different types of people so that's what Joe Budden was. Then he came out with Pump It Up, Just Blaze single. Um, you know, around the time when State Property was going off, Just Blaze was popping. That was a big record. Um, but when you really listen to Joe Budden's album, that wasn't him. Like, he had those deep introspective joints. And then you go to the, the Mood Music series, which uh, Mood Music 2, I think, is one of the the, that might have been the, the original mixtape of somebody just doing a mixtape and putting it out there, but it's basically an album, you know? Mm. Uh, well, apparently Complex named it the 12th best, best mixtape of all time. <sighs> the 12th? Hold on. I, got, I, well, I mean, well, well mood, mood, uh, mood Music 2. Hold up. Complex Best Mixtapes. Of all time, hold up. Of all time, 
Let's see what they have on their list. The 50 best rapper mixtapes. Is that the one that you're looking at? Well, yeah, well, that, that's the link that uh, Wikipedia here is, is referring to. Oh, man. I remember some of these. Oh, man. Royce 5'9", The Bar Exam 2. That was number 44. That was a great mixtape. I thought it was an album. Nah, that was a uh, mixtape. Uh, Big Sean finally famous a mixtape 2007. I, I I really didn't like that. I didn't like Big Sean's first two mixtapes. And then I saw him live, and the song sounded so good live that I went back and listened to the mixtape. And then I didn't like the mixtape again. Oh, Warning Shots was forty nine. Hold up, man. We got to see what they got higher up. Because you're going to put Warning Shot Saigon. That's 49. Number one, 50 Cent is the future. Number two, Lil Wayne the Drop 3. I'm not going to lie. I've been, three. I've been to parties. I've been to house parties where the whole playlist was just a Drop 3. Man, I just, I mean, so did, did he, because like with the first drill, it's just him just rapping over a whole bunch of, or, or I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking about the squad up mixtapes. The drill three was the one, was the double disc one that had the Beyonce joint when he rapped over that. Oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, number three, Dipset, Dipset, uh, the, Dip, the, the Diplomats volume one. Number four, Young Jeezy, Trap or Die. Number five, Drake, So Far Gone. Number six, Rick Ross, Rick's Forever. Yo, I get, I get Rick's his. Forever. 2012. And that's the thing that be tripping me out. Like, I got to look at see what. Uh, I think that's the one with Stay Scheming on it. I mean, but like, Rich Forever, I mean. See, have you like it, it seems like what twenty like twenty what twenty ten no two thousand nine to like twenty twelve like apparently these were when all the best mixtapes came out like Cushion Orange Juice, uh, Cabin Fever, Rich Forever. I mean, for me, the best mixtapes came out in between Mood Music Two and Friday Night Light. Fr- like Friday Night Lights. J. Cole is probably the best mixtape ever. I'm sorry. Even better than the warm-up. Ah, man. Man, I mean, the warm-up got... Yeah, I'll have to say better than the warm-up. Because Friday Night Lights... I mean, but... But to be fair, Friday Night Lights were those songs that were supposed to be on his first album. But yeah, I mean, I think I Get Up is one of those records from the warm up. Um, the joint I Get Up is one of the like top records of all time. But um, Friday Night Lights as a whole, I think might be might be the best. I mean, I I feel like 
I feel like I don't exactly listen listen to mixtapes all like that because I feel like you can reference way more mixtapes than what I can. And I think that's why, like, when I sent you that song from Chance to Rap, this new mixtape mm-hmm. um, with Young Thug and Lil Yachty, and they talking about people don't like mixtapes no more and all that stuff type of stuff, like. <laughs> Like when I heard that, it was crazy because this is like the new generation becoming the old school and reflecting on a past time. So, whereas somebody from my generation, like niggas, don't listen to albums no more, they saying we don't like mixtapes no more. And then the reason why I like Lil Yachty's verse because Lil Yachty was like, people don't respect album covers no more. And I was like, damn, like these non lyrical ass niggas got kind of deep real quick. <laughs> I mean, but it seems like you just liked it just for the fact that they were going deep with it. And I, I mean, because like the, the verses were kind of shitty, especially Lil Yachty's. I, I, I like what he was saying. Mm. Like, he gave me his whole history. Like, because he. Like, I've only heard that one Lil Yachty song that you heard and you didn't like it. But when I heard that verse, I just got his whole life right there. And I got his whole perspective. Like, that one verse, I just feel like I know everything about Lil Yachty from that verse. And I felt like he just connected with me on that verse. Mm. I mean, well, I, I will say with me, like, when someone comes out with a mixtape, I am kind of leery because... I just get tired of just, you know, hearing people just be, you know, just saying, yelling on a mic on someone else's beat. After it just drives me up a wall. So I mean, niggas don't really do it no more though. Like, when last time somebody did that on a mixtape? Oh, uh, Lil Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah. Like it's just kind of like his thing now. I mean, but that last year he did was supposed to be better than that. But the joint that he dropped on title was pretty good. Um, Fabulous, but Fabulous just always kills it. And like sometimes his mixtapes be all original. Sometimes it's like a mix of beats and stuff. But like Fabulous is um, that's a whole nother conversation about Fabulous. But he he he's solid. He's solidified in, in hip hop as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I've been listening to uh, to some of, to uh, some of uh, Bazaar's mixtapes. Oh man, yeah. Got Lace Blunts three, Lace Blunts two. You have Dab Life. Hold on, hold on. Oh, let me go back. Okay, so we're looking at Rich Forever. Rich Forever is not better than the Albert Anastasia. Like the Albert Anastasia joint change hip-hop music forever. I believe it was the Albert Anastasia. Let me see. Uh, Rick Ross. That's that BMF wanted, I think, right? And uh, MC Hammer. I believe it was the Albert Anastasia, but let me get my facts straight. Yeah, MC Hammer blowing money fast. Super high with Neo. Knife Fight with Cool G Rap. White Sand Part 2 with Triple C's. 
I got 300 soldiers. I'm a rope. Like, yo, he had some joints on that. And I feel like Gemstone, the testimony of Gemstones is one of the best mixtapes ever. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Gemstones. You can listen to uh, our interview. Oh, Jay-Z, number seven, S. Carter Collection. I can I can respect that. Clips, we got it for cheap. Oh, um, oh, or Real Gang, we got it for cheap, volume two. I can respect that. Kanye West get well soon, two thousand three. I don't even you know. know. Yeah, you know, I've never listened to that. I, I never even heard of this. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, when I was doing research for the article, um, I came up, uh, I came across like MTV. They they wrote they've written like a lot of stuff about him. I didn't really know that. I didn't know that MTV actually wrote articles in the two in the <laughs> early two thousands. <laughs> um, and they were talking about like his get well soon mixtape. I had no idea that shit existed. Mm. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Um, and then, like that, the the S doc, that's the that's the mixtape where he just he just like put out that one link on Twitter and that was it. Yeah. Can you still get that shit? <laughs> uh, I think I have it. If I didn't see my hard drive, I think my hard drive crashed. Which I'm a, so I had all kind of crazy shit on that, but. What imagine on that fifth now? But you know, with some of the beats that he was using and stuff, but that's the one where he had the uh, young, black, and successful freestyle, which is you know one of the greatest joints. Oh, number ten, Lil Wayne, dedication two. I remember when that joint came out. Number eleven, Fifty Cent, No Mercy, No Fear. That was actually G Unit, but man, I listened to that mixtape like crazy. Uh, Joe Budden, number twelve, Mood Music two. Uh, I mean, I think that is the top 10, but 12, that's not bad. Where's Khalifa Cushion Orange Juice? I remember that shit dropped. That shit was trending on Twitter. Yeah, how can you call But how can you? I don't know. I don't, I don't think enough time has elapsed. We'd be calling certain things like that best mixtapes ever or whatever, like that. Which one? Um, Cushion Orange Juice, uh, Rich Forever. Yo, Cushion Orange Juice came out 2010. That's That's six years. I mean, look how long it took for people to look back on all these other rappers. Danny Brown, Triple X, 2011, number 14. Really? 15, A Kid Named Cuddy. 16, T.I. Down With The King, 2004. That was when I was hating on South Music, so I need to go back and look at that. Number 17, Gucci Mane, Gangsta Grills, The Movie, 2008. Number 18, ASAP Rocky, Live Love ASAP, 2011. I would put that up higher, actually. That's one of my favorite mixtapes. Number 19, Nicki Minaj, Be Me Up Scotty, 2009. Um, I think that came out before 2009, just because I was around. Um, that's not... <laughs> This is you can tell this S. Car thing is dated. Is looking at is looking at um looking on on the uh, the track list, Blunts and Armadale freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, number well, tw- number twenty. Wale the mixtape about nothing. I actually think that's a great mixtape, and more about nothing. I don't know if I'm I'm biased to my DM Venus, but that joint was crazy. Number 21, Joel Santana, Back Like Cook Crack. 
Uh, I think I might like back like Cook Crack 2 a bit more, but I feel you. Number 22, Lupe Fiasco, Fahrenheit 115 Part 2, Revenge of the Nerds. That might be able to be a little higher. Number 23, J. Cole, the warm-up. How you put the warm-up before Friday Night Lights? I mean, I guess you could, but I don't know. Number 24, Lil Wayne, No Ceilings. 25, Jada Kiss the Champ is here. They put no, they put no ceilings at number 24? Sounds surprised. I mean, that shit, man. I mean, them records got played on the radio like how Gene records did. I know, but I mean, I feel like that was like kind of, that was like pretty much just like his last hurrah. I still got faith in Wayne. I mean, his drink with Two Chains is pretty nice. His album that he put out was pretty good. That mixtape that he put out was wag as shit. Um, and then he's still making some decent music. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's still getting his plaques here and there on being on people's singles. Number 26, Earl Sweatshirt Earl, 2010. I never listened to that. Number 27, Two Chains True Real Legend, 2011. Was that where Ryan and Ryan, I'm getting it? Yeah. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that mixtape. I didn't listen to it. Number 28, Currency, This Ain't No Mixtape, 2009. And Covert Covert Poop needs to be up there. Number twenty nine, Lil Boosie, Super Bad, The Return of Mister Wipe Me Down. Ugh. Number it's t- not sound right. Number thirty, J Electronica. What the fuck is a J Electronica? I mean, who wait? Can you even call that a mixtape? Uh, after creating an internet buzz with the incredible song "Eternal Sunshine," this mixtape started appearing on blogs. All this wizardry. Uh, I mean, I guess so. That's the closest things you have. Number 31, Meek Mill, G- Dream Chasers. I think Dream Chasers 3 might be better. Number 32, Fabulous, There's No Competition. I think the Soul Tape 1, 2, or 3 is better. Not to say it's not bad. Number 33, Max B in French Montana, Coke Wave. I think that I feel like that, should, that should be higher. Yeah. Number 34, Joey Badass, 1999. I actually never listened to that. Number 35, Junior Radio, part one, two, part one through 25. I, I hate, I hate when, when people do that. Like, why? Like, oh yo, you gotta God. pick one. Yeah. 36, Communion, King Cooper, the Mixtape Messiah. Number 30, I vaguely remember that. Number 37, Crit was here. That shit should be higher. Number 38, Tyler Credit Bastard. I thought that was an album. Uh, Technically, it was a free album. Oh. Uh, number 39, Juicy J and Lex Luger, Rubber Band Business 2. I think you can... Uh, see. N- nah. Number 40, Yellow Wolf Trunk Music. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Number 41, Gucci Man, Chicken Talk. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's like super early Gucci. Well, not super early, but as a matter of fact, did you, um, have you, did you listen to that uh, mixtape that technically Gucci Man and Zay Tobin came out with like some months ago? 
it's something like something like something from the basement and it was like old like early like some of the first stuff that they did together nah oh god it's it's kind of bad yeah you can tell they told made the beats but he was still trying to like figure some things out and they just didn't have like the best quality i mean it's, it's interesting like just look, like looking at it as like listening to it as an artifact yeah more so then you know just listening to it for pleasure i mean it's like when a dude from Houston put me on with the early um, Paul Wall and Commander stuff, like from the 90s, like when I heard that shit, I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, I'm not going to say they had the best songs, but lyrically, they were just going in. Kind of remind me of like, you know, how we were in middle school and high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Number 42, T.I. and P.S.C. in the streets, part one. I remember them P.S.C. mixtapes used to be like, Going off crazy. Number forty three, Action Barson and Party Supplies, Blue Trips. I think I listen to that like once or twice. I think I like that a lot. Number forty four, I already mentioned Race File Nine, Bar Exam Two. I think that's a classic mistake. I also think Bar Exam Three was great. And you think Death Is Certain is one of the, the greatest albums ever made? Nah, <laughs> nah. Oh, did I ever say that? I mean, you, well, I know you said something about about it should it should have five it should be five mics or did it get five mics? I don't know. I might have got four, but I do think that like nobody knows about the album, and that was like Royce's. That, that was that was his commercial smash. <laughs> I mean, he was all he was like he was all with that 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 one that one song with the music video when he's like in a church or something and like a light is swinging around or whatever it was that was. Always played on MTV jams along with uh, my man, uh, what's his name, Lil Rob, and <laughs> <laughs> number forty-five, Bob Cloud Nine, number forty-six, Big Sean, Finally Famous, number forty-seven, tr- Future, True Story. Oh, this is a uh, list from two thousand thirteen. Number forty-eight, J- the Jacka, the Street <laughs> Album. Rest in peace to the Jacker, man. Um, I gotta listen to that. Number 49, Saigon Warner Shots. And number 50, Chief Keith, Back from the Dead. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I listened to that shit. That was, like, some good, drunk, super nigga shit. I've never listened to a Chief Keith project to this day. Yeah, you gotta do that one day. And um, do an analysis of the uh, cultural impact of the lexicon of the melanated Negro and how it affects the uh, community site. Now, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's the point, man. With all these new people coming out, I gotta use context clues to, to know what they're saying sometimes. <laughs> Shit, man, we gotta get our youth back. You do, man. Like, I mean. Like uh, when like when my nieces were at were at my house and you know Future had like Stick Talk out or I mean well they were listening to the video, and I said what the what is Stick Talk? <laughs> oh, I knew what that was. I had, I've I've never heard of that term ever until Future said it. Yeah, you gotta keep up, brother. Yeah, I know. You know, it's, you know. Sometimes I don't I don't I don't know how impression how impressionable it was to just be sitting around with a fourteen year old. Girl, listening to these crazy ass future songs, <laughs> but you know, whatever. I mean, 
Somebody gotta do it. You gotta be the cool uncle. I guess. But um, shit. It's man late. Niggas gotta go work for the white man tomorrow. So I think uh, we should conclude this. This is a whole bunch of rambling. This is probably. <laughs> this is like the episode about nothing for real. I mean, I think our Perky Sunken episode was probably more rambling than this one. This one actually was kind of more focused to me. I mean, well, we, I mean, well, we had like a good train of thought with like the whole drug talk for like a good minute. <laughs> but yeah, um, channelsandpodcast.com, log on. Um, if you like channel10podcast.com, then you can go to zacharyleacock.com and get your website design. Um, and forget all that Squarespace bullshit because I'm in the building. And um, you can go to audible.com. You can go to audibletrial.com slash channel10. That's channel and the number 10. And uh, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial. You get you a credit. You get you a free audio book. You go get D. Watkins' book, and you go listen to that because we're setting up an interview, hopefully. Um, I probably shouldn't say it just in case it doesn't come through, but, you know, from listening to his interviews, I I got it with my free credit. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I did. Because, you know, I'm a subscriber to Audible because it has greatly impacted my life. So I got it. So I think you should get it, too. Um, That's real talk. Um, Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash channel 10 podcast. Follow us on all the social media, which you can access through channel 10 podcast.com. Um, you can email us at channel10podcast at gmail.com and you can give us a call and you can leave us a message. And you know what's crazy is I don't remember the number, so I need to find the number so that the people can call us and let us hear their voice. But how they yeah. feel about the subjects that we're talking about in these episodes. Uh, or they can text us too, right? Or they can text us. Man, you are brilliant. That's why you got a master's degree, and I don't. Sure, <laughs> that's the reason why. <laughs> um, you, can, you can call or you can text us at 443-885-0993. Once again, 443-885-0997 for all of my um, Americans and um, all my people who call the international. Shout out to all of my West Indies and all my Canadians and all my Africans, all the Pan-Africans across the diaspora. Shout out to Malcolm X. Happy birthday. And um, 410 Music Factory. Baltimore Club music dropping soon. And we got a lot of stuff popping off in the building. Um, yeah. yeah. Peace out. Feeling this here. Yeah, son. Feel it, man. Roll up, son. We gotta just do it, yo. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up. On, man. Roll up. Watch the channel, son.
different plane now, man. It's all good. Bro, what up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. Bro, what up? Yeah. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas that's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface.